0: Microphone check Okay, so check Listen, um, very big episode Very big episode Listen, y'all know how we love to do We get in our bag It's not just regular conversations We don't just pull up on each other And talk crazy But we have very specific And important conversations too As always, it is of The Voice, man And a um, hundred something episodes in I actually have no idea How many episodes in But I have oh, not Lord. introduced my co-host And I never will
1: <laughs> So I'm gonna let that But you have in. one time But we're not gonna get into that Yeah, Come on, nah. maybe at,
2: once You know the vibe Best, uh, Benson, most versatile last name in the game You feel me Hey, today, I think I am Public Policy Benson you Don't get in my bag But those bag, don't
0: know? sound the same <laughs> I thought it was supposed to sound the same mm, No, I
2: think the rules Let them have it They can't tell me the rules of my own last name It doesn't Let work out like that Let <laughs> them have it But right
1: y'all know the vibes <laughs> of Don Jones, aka Baritone Deepest voice in the game Um, Here we get it deep it? in the questions today <laughs> Yeah, that's a fact No no, wow. <laughs> no, I, I don't like that
0: one. Um, yeah, nah, nah. Um, um. Listen, man. Listen. First off, the squad is here. We podding today. Um, we taking this to another level. We keep raising a bar. Nobody's catching up. Oh, I was about to start rapping. Let me stop, <laughs> man. Listen. Make sure you 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 play this one twice. Make sure you this one. I think Johnny. Will, you'll hear about him in this episode. Say something about shock value, but I think this episode. Um, it's, it's not necessarily shock value that we going for, but it's like some very specific things that everybody needs to be paying attention to in this episode, man. So not going to hold y'all up. Make sure y'all like subscribe vibe in the words of the good brother, the side, and leave some yeah. reviews. Stop going on this Apple podcast, listening to this podcast and not leaving reviews. So make sure you leave reviews on Apple podcast. We'll see y'all, man. What up? 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 Listen, hold on. How do I? I'm, I sound good? Give me a thumbs up. I sound good. Okay. Are we live? Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. Listen, man. So this is how we gonna do this episode. As you know, we have what I would say, fellas. First off, I'm never introducing y'all. We're not even doing the intros right now. But what I'll say is that we are working to constantly expand our range a little bit. Try to get in that Beyonce level of content creation put us at the top of that pyramid um so today is something that we have that that we locked up in a vault something that we work on worked hard on um but it's special man and this is for for the people that started with us in day one this is for the people that listen to this podcast in our backyard people are from where we from even though of course you know Shouts out to germany
2: Yo, come on now. <laughs> yeah, We're shout shout, out, shout out, to shouts out to whatever Japan, military base is listening on me? Germany.
0: Yeah. Shout out hey, to Brockworth. Come on, on now, man. <laughs> um shout <laughs> out to wait, done. It, nah, it's somebody, it's like, I don't is it Japan? It's like one, is it Japan? Yeah, it's like, one it's Japan. like two people in military bases across yeah. the country that listen come to this podcast, out, man. man. So shouts out to whoever come you two people in Germany and Japan are. Um but most importantly, shout out to everybody that's been a part of this and pushing us to even get stuff like done like this done. But it's probably about to be one of my favorite episodes, man. So we do have a guest in the building with yes, us. Yes, we do. We do. We have the Cleveland Zone. Uh, Cleveland can't wait. Um, <laughs> yo, come on, man. We got Justin Bibb in the building today. How are you? What's it? What's Doing good, well, King? man?
3: That's a good slogan, right? Cleveland can't wait. You like that? Cleveland can't wait, yeah, man. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I
0: love yeah. it. Listen, and I see. Um, I see you got the Cleveland is the
2: Cleveland reason
3: hoodie. Uh, sponsored by Health Ilthy. Great yeah, yeah. brand in town doing big stuff. Midwest kids. Come on now, you got man. the LeBron hat that fast, man. Oh, I've like, been, been having before LeBron had it. Brian got it. Like, come on. You got you know. the scoop, on, man. Football, hey, come Bron Bron it, like. I need I need to find your connect. You know. come, on, come on, baby.
0: Come on. Who you <laughs> think yes. brought back Brian back
3: here? Right? <laughs> <laughs> um Speaking of LeBron, I feel like I'm at the shop right now. Do you? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We like hey, those no. vibes. Hey, yeah, don't yeah, give yeah, us like no vibes, ideas. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah I know, listen, right. we execute on ideas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, yeah, we execute you know, on ideas, <laughs> don't let us get it. Don't let us get it. Don't, let uh, Biden give us the stimmy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's stimmy, huh? Another <laughs> round of the stimmy. <laughs> nah,
0: man. Listen, so I guess l- let's just start here, man. But I, I want to just check in with you. I think. We always check in. These guys will tell you that I don't care, but I do care yeah. about how everybody on this podcast is always doing. They think I don't care about how they're doing, but I do care. <laughs> so don't let them don't let them cap to you, man. But um, uh, how, how are you? How is your mental health, man? It's a lot going on right now. You in a a, a big political campaign, yeah. so
3: doing well. You know, um, you know, running for office in the middle of a pandemic is is not easy. Yeah, especially yeah. if it's your first time. Yeah. I uh, run for office. Uh, like many folks across the country, I have uh, Zoom fatigue every day. You're doing like 10 Zoom calls yeah. back to back to back. Yeah. Uh, but what really gives me a lot of energy and excitement is just really trying to find new ways to meet people where they are. You know, do voter engagement in a real authentic way yeah. um, and really just trying to find ways to really excite people about getting involved in this election and this campaign. I love th- it. When you think about the fact that we had such a low voter turnout in 2020 in the city of Cleveland. Yes. And that was a big election. Yeah. Um last year. And so finding ways to tap into that energy and excitement and just give people hope that the political process can actually work is a really big challenge, but we're trying to do everything we can to make that happen. I like it, man. Well,
0: look, I tell you what. Um we glad that you're here. We appreciate you coming through today. Um you brought some good weather with you. We here, we ready to get this into. So, let's we ready to get this started. So, let's just go ahead and get right into it, man. You want to let's let's do it. Okay, back um I I would say let's start right here with it. You are one of or honestly let's just say it like this, you are Cleveland's youngest potential mayor right yeah, now. Yeah. Um like 34
3: I turned 34 April 26th. You turned, okay, yeah, so, so you're about Aww. to be. Yeah, 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 yeah so you're man. not He's even. That make sure we drop birthday a happy birthday. Maybe drop hey. this oh, on cakes. my birthday. That'd be a good birthday gift. Nah, yeah.
0: I got you, man. <laughs> It's going to be your birthday month. There we go, there we go. But yeah, so you're one of Cleveland's youngest mayors, man, and you talked a little bit about how we've had our youngest voter turnout. How do you think that the city of Cleveland is ready for a mayor so young is 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 that role a young man's game mm. or a young woman's game or mm-hmm. is that more of an experienced leader's game?
3: Great question. You know, I'd say absolutely. Cleveland's ready, and the fact that it you know we're at the tail end of the month in March, yeah. and you know thinking about the year our city and our country experienced in 2020, and yet I'm really the only announced credible candidate in the yeah. race thus far mm-hmm. shows you that we got the courage to lead the city on day one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't think age, um, is, a, 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 a predictor of courage. Mm-hmm. I think the question is, do I have the lived experience that reflects the pain and the hope yeah. and the struggles that folks are going through every single day? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, do I have the management experience of understanding how cities work Um, from the grass, roots in the grass, tops, absolutely. And so when I think about what's at stake in this election, you know, the question should not be who the next mayor should be, Mm -hmm. but what kind of mayor we need. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it's the what we got to focus on as we think about what we need to move our city forward.
0: I like it. I like it. So
2: we may see these bids from older candidates, like Dennis Kucinich, Zach Reed is going to be his second time running up Mm to entering the race. If you were to win, how would you work with these figures? Like, you know, uh, how would you learn from your role too, as well?
3: You know, I think it's important for me to to say this. Um, I stand on the shoulders of a lot of great giants in this city. You think about the legacy of Carl Stokes, uh, being the first Black mayor of of, of a large city of, of a large city in this country, um, and he really is a scion of politics in Cleveland. Um, and, you know, I would also say, you know, the current mayor, Mayor Frank Jackson has been a good servant to our community. He's managed the city's um, money. Well, he's been important. Um, you know, he, he helped weather the economic crisis in 2008. Um, and there are many good public servants working in city hall right now, but I think when you think about the future and I think this election is about the future, we need a mayor who understands how to use technology, Mm. how to leverage innovation how to make sure we can compete with, like, Pittsburgh, Columbus, Cincinnati, because those cities are kicking our butts right now. Yeah. We're not even at the, at the table mm-hmm. competing in an effective way. And so um, I got to make sure I can work with anybody, right, who believes in that vision. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having a constructive, effective uh, relationship with city council and other elected officials has to be a part of how I get that done. Um, because I'm not naive to think that one mayor – can solve all these problems, yeah. right? We got a $1.8 billion budget, over 8,100 employees. We can't solve child poverty by ourselves, yeah. right? We can't bring back communities like Mount Pleasant, where I grew up, by ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take a mayor who can work with the council folks in Mount Pleasant and then Clark Fulton, a mayor who can call up the CEO of the Cleveland Foundation or the Gunn Foundation and get more grant investment where I need additional capital to invest in our neighborhoods, so, you know, I think having the, the the leadership and the ability to say, you know what, I can't solve all these problems by myself, but I want to be a good teammate and a good partner with you yep. to lead the city forward needs to be a key ingredient of the kind of leadership we need in every sector in yep. this city.
1: Yep. So with the rumors, you know, the whispers of Bashir Jones um, yeah. running as well, um, it seems that you all have two different agendas. Um, so how do we kind of avoid pitting two African-American black candidates against each other? Yeah,
3: You know, this is democracy, right? And I welcome anybody uh, to get in this race because if we have a competitive election with competitive candidates, it's going to make me a better candidate and make me a better mayor. Um, and I, I think Bashir Jones has done remarkable things in the community of Huff, and we need more young black folks running for office and getting involved in politics. Um, and I would also say, and a pushback on that is would say that I don't think our agendas are that different. Mm-hmm. I think Bashir wants what's best for everybody in the city, just like I do right now. We might have different policy visions to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we share the same desire and passion for making Cleveland a better city, mm-hmm. particularly for black people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think it's important to have a healthy dialogue and debate about how we get there, because, you know, our residents have different opinions as well. Yeah. Uh, and and the agenda for black people is not a monolithic agenda. Right? Speak on it. Right. Yeah. And all black people don't think alike. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so it's OK to have more than one black candidate in the election. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's, it's healthy for our community to have that debate because we become a stronger community by getting in the trenches and having those hard conversations.
0: Yeah. You know, you um I, I guess we, we started we hinted at it when we started this interview, but you talked a little bit about your campaign slogan, which um is super catchy super um important. You know, come on, baby. Come mars- on now. Yeah. Great marketing. Yo, <laughs> Great marketing. And lucky we're not dropping bombs yeah, this yeah. week. A- right? a- but, um, <laughs> um so Cleveland can't wait is the the campaign slogan. Yeah. Cleveland can't wait is the the pretty much what I like to when I was thinking of it and when I heard it and, and first saw it, it's the energy that you mm-hmm. put in into, into mm-hmm. this campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh when when you when you think of Cleveland can't wait in the sense of urgency that it gives both the voters and you and the other leaders that are in office, where do you think maybe some of Cleveland's past leaders went wrong or lost that energy or that sense of urgency with taking care of some of the needs that we, that we as people in Cleveland, in Ohio, in the Midwest felt Mm. like this is a problem, and it needs addressing.
3: You know, uh, the the first thing I would say around that is I was really affected personally after Timmy Rice was murdered in yeah. 2014. Mm-hmm. And it hit me in a different way because, you know, I just moved back to the city um, from New York then. And I was trying to understand kind of where the community was in terms of change. And there was all this talk about the Cleveland Renaissance. We had LeBron coming back that year. Yeah. Um, you know, we got noticed that we were going to get the Republican National Convention. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at the precipice of seeing nearly $10 billion of concentrated economic investment to bring back downtown and other neighborhoods in yeah. the West side. And there was this talk of the Cleveland Renaissance. Um, but when you look around the city at that time, you know, I started to, you know, have this question in my head, you know, there, there are the great, these great symbols of a Renaissance, but where is the substance mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. Renaissance? Mm-hmm. And then you have Tamir Rice, and seeing the city's response to Tamir uh, was as if it was expected, right? There was no urgency around how do we do things differently around criminal justice reform in our city. Right. It took the federal government, the U.S. Department of Justice, to come in and say police reform needs to be uh, an important issue for our community. Mm-hmm. And so it was a missed opportunity. And then you have a lack of leadership when George Floyd is murdered and no real visible leadership in our city to say, you know what, where are we as a city to be on the vanguard of showing the world that we can enact real change around uplifting, you know, black and Brown communities across, across our city and our region. Um, And we missed the mark there. I would also say there's been all this talk about the digital divide yeah, yeah. Right. And we are the least connected city in America. Mm-hmm. So if you go to Glenville, you go to Mount Pleasant, you go to Clark Fulton, Wi Fi is hard to access. Yeah. Yes. And having access to high speed broadband is a matter of economic justice now. I mean it's it should be a basic utility. That's a fact. And you have folks organizing in twenty seventeen in 2017 and, and that last election. And they literally gave the city a playbook saying, look, this is how we can close the digital divide four years ago. Yeah. And no one did anything,
1: mm-hmm.
3: right? AT&T wanted to, you know, advance 5G, but the city was asleep at the wheel uh, to make sure that they were laying the right kind of fiber mm. to, in order to do that in certain neighborhoods, yeah. mm-hmm. right? So you have an active private sector partner come, trying to come to the table and think about a way to address this. And we don't have a sense of urgency.
2: Yeah. So what, uh, where does that sense of, that non-sense of urgency, urgency comes from?
3: Complacency. You know, you have folks that have been in, in politics for their whole life. They, they've, they've gotten their pensions all set. They've gotten their power, base solidified. And they're comfortable. They're cruising. Right? And it's all about them. Yeah. And until we have a, a, a political culture in this community that demands more, that expects more, that holds politicians accountable, mm-hmm. then we won't see that real change. I'm I'm not getting into politics because I needed a pay increase. Yeah. This is a pay cut for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm yeah. not I'm yeah. not getting into politics because, you know, I I, I I want to see my name in the headlines. Yeah. Right. I'm doing this because I think our community deserves better. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and we need to set the standard high in terms of who we elect. Uh, and and really just change that narrative because for far too long we've let folks who've been there forever just get away with getting along to get along. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is what it is, you know. It it is what it is. Culture. Yeah. Come on now.
2: Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. that little flex. He said, "Yo, I ain't doing this for the brand now. Yeah. Come <laughs> on, <man. laughs> I mean, no, but that's uh, the truth. so you've been like you've been in these high um executive positions, you know, CSO of. Uh, Urban Nova. That's right. And then um, also too, you were at KeyBank for one yeah. two as well. Yeah, yeah. So that might get off the perception that you might be a businessman first. Yeah. You know. So how can like the people trust that you're gonna you're gonna be the the people's mayor instead of being the businessman? Because we've seen. Um, in the past mm-hmm. That a lot of politicians Sometimes when they come from A very corporate background mm-hmm. They The people are like Wow you thinking about the dollar first Then mm-hmm. thinking about me The the mm-hmm. average citizen mm-hmm. And then how And also too You might not connect with me Because mm-hmm. You You And it may make more money You might be more educated Than maybe me mm-hmm. So how can you, How can the people trust you Because you might have other candidates That are more Maybe grassroots yeah. And they can connect with people On like a I want to say economic level, but they can understand it a little bit more.
3: To that point, I would say that why shouldn't our next mayor have experience advising a $1.7 billion business with over 1,000 employees? Yo, wait, hold on. <laughs> yo, no, turn the sound effects. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> yo, yo, I like that. Right. He's right. He's
2: like, he's like, why, yeah. why are we not? Uh, yeah, no,
3: why, real. why, why shouldn't the next mayor have experience? You know, working directly with other mayors across the country and giving them counsel and new ideas and new tools to make their cities better. Mm. I've been in the boardroom with CEO of large Fortune one hundred companies. Mm. I've been in council chambers with the mayor of Tulsa, the mayor of, you know, Columbia, South Carolina, the mayor of Miami at the U S conference of mayors advising 12 plus mayors in one room about how to think differently about smart cities, technology Mm -hmm. and what that means for racial and economic justice. Mm -hmm. And as the mayor, I'm leading a $1.8 billion municipal corporation with over 8,100 employees. And so my experience in negotiating large contracts, getting deals done, navigating politics of a public corporation board that's publicly traded in the New York Stock Exchange, and how to make sure that our materials and our strategy is on point, right, for our shareholders. That's experience that can help turn around City Hall. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think that that experience makes me less attractive to the voters because Mm -hmm. I'm still a kid from Dove. Yeah, right, speak on it, yo. Um, I'm still a kid who spent my my time at you know Reverend Stewart's church right. on Lee Harvard going to Vacation Bible School, uh, speaking at the Easter uh, you know brunch. Give him, my, give him my, give yeah, right with my purple suit, you know, with the four <laughs> yeah. buttons right. and my gators. Right, I mean, and and but I know what it's like uh, to 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 grow up and live in the city and struggle in this city. You know, when my mom graduated from Adams, you know. She was driving the hoopty that was so bad till I was in high school. We, we had to start with a screwdriver, yeah. right? Yeah. There was a lot of pain and embarrassment in that. But I knew she had, she was doing what she had to do to make sure that I could have the experience to one day be in the boardroom with the CEO of Key Bank. Yeah. Imagine if every kid from Mount Pleasant had that opportunity. What would this city be? Thriving. Shout out to mom. And so yeah. we have we have to change this narrative that to be a public servant that I have to spend my whole life being a career politician mm. because if we have more politicians who had experience leading nonprofits, leading businesses, leading uh, schools. This whole city would be a lot better. Yeah. And we need more diverse folks running for office to change the game. Mm. That's how this stuff gets better.
1: Mm. It doesn't
3: get better by having the same people do the same thing all the time. Yeah. And right. I, that's the key to making this community better, in my opinion.
0: I like it.
1: So, so sticking with the the entrepreneurship and technology, yeah. um, a field. Um, how do you plan to create attractive opportunities for tech developers uh, to move or invest in Cleveland, and even set up their headquarters here?
3: Well, I, I think this really boils down to having a, a culture at City Hall that believes in technology. Yeah, when you look at our website, guess when our website was last updated? When, when President Bush. Was an office. Oh my! I was gonna, gonna guess like 9 Yeah, like bad. It's, bad. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> the fact that if you're a parent, you can't go online and get a rec schedule, right? Or what's going on at the pool? Or to host a basketball tournament? It's it's, simple it's, things. It's ridiculous.
0: But who do they? It, it's. I don't know. Let's just say, or is anybody? Are there any entry level? positions or people or interns or young World people. Who's the webmaster? Yeah, right? Who's <laughs> <World laughs> the webmaster?
3: I, and, and I think it's, for them, it's just let's let's just do the basics and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm. But, I mean, you have what's going on in Miami. It's just phenomenal right now. The mayor mm. essentially just launched this effort, which we should definitely do in Cleveland, where you could start a business from your smartphone. Yeah. All the permits right here, one stop shop. That's crazy. Right? Um, you think about the fact that, you know, we can't essentially find a way to have parking per, uh, permits um, 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 uh, are meters. Yeah. Yeah, God,
2: why can't we not pay a meter by right. the phone? That I is mean, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah.
3: But I go to, you know, you go to Shaker, Cleveland Heights, Sugar Falls, they have smart meters, yeah. right, in their parking lots. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense. And so mm-hmm. these are basic things we should be doing where, you know, other cities were doing a decade ago. Yeah. We're 20 years behind. Mm hmm. And so I think by starting to change that culture as mayor, right. then, you know, folks will say, you know, Cleveland is a tech friendly place to invest and grow a business. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think so. I have like I have two questions. I want to start with just this to follow up with, yeah. with what you were just saying about uh, advancing Cleveland technologically. Um, but so when you talk about that and you talk about things that we may need as a city, are there any specific plans that you have for. The CMSD mm. the school district, mm-hmm. because and for the people that's listening, in you know, for people that's listening in the Midwest, East Coast, West Coast, Germany, Japan, whatever international podcast, that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, talk talk your talk, Seriously, yeah. It's yeah, going but global. yo, I'm gonna always do humble flex, <laughs> come on, baby, I'm gonna get them off. Yo, come my man now. said 1.8 yeah. billion dollars. Yeah. Now, I'ma, if I'ma, he's I'ma gonna flex.
2: flex, if he's gonna flex, we're gonna flex. We gonna flex.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but so so I'm talking about the Cleveland. School districts and, and all of the public schools in Cleveland. So when we talk about those schools, are there going to be any ways that we can expect or anything that we can look forward to seeing done as far as investing tech or even mm-hmm. the education in tech for our school district? Because essentially, I that is where we will see the tilt change.
3: I think the first thing we have to do uh, to truly turn around CMSD and have a highly competitive public school district in the city because that's table stakes, right? I mean, for us to truly be a a city where we can attract families to stay and grow our tax base, public education is essential to that. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, first and foremost, you think about the fact that about a third of our kids haven't logged online since the pandemic started. Right. And we had massive learning loss and the achievement gap was massive even before Mm COVID-19, that's only been exacerbated. Mm -hmm. And so as mayor, I intend to lead and have a strategy to address the learning loss we've seen due to Mm -hmm. COVID-19, whether that's having year-round school or year-round mentorship programs, Mm -hmm. whatever it takes, we have to do something to address that learning loss due to COVID-19. I would also say we've seen dramatic disruption in public education due to this pandemic Mm -hmm. that I think we need to really lean into Mm -hmm. um, and not waste this moment to kind of do things differently in education. Mm. You know, I want to make sure that if you're a high school student in CMSD, that there is an opportunity for you to have year-round learning where you're actually having an internship, year-round apprenticeship program, so that when you graduate from CMSD, you're not only graduating with a high school diploma, Mm -hmm. but you got a credential. Yeah, that's a fact. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So you can, you know, say you don't want to go to Ohio State or OU or American University, or Howard, mm-hmm. but you actually want to go to Lincoln Electric yeah. mm-hmm. and be an IT analyst, there's a pathway to the middle class when you graduate from CMSD with the right okay. credentials to take that job mm-hmm. that don't require a, co- uh, um, a college degree. Yeah. And so as, 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 as the mayor who controls not only CMSD, but the Workforce Investment Board, mm. and who is the CEO of that board and helps architect that strategy, I need to connect those systems to work together so that I'm working with industry um, and and those in-demand sectors to align our curriculum inside CMSD so kids have the skills they need to graduate to be workforce ready. I like it. I would also say that we need to have more robust after-school programs throughout the city. That's what that's saved some, me, yeah, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, because when I left the schoolhouse, mama said, you're going to be in science clubs, spelling bee, you're going to do something, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because all hell was going to break loose when yeah. I left the school building, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Doing whatever God knows what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. For sure. For And so we need to make sure that we have those wraparound services in every neighborhood. And those services need to be of high quality uh, to make sure that kids are busy all the time. Do you think it's
2: like, and I'm seeing see. do you think it is a... I've seen a trend that we're, we're kind of like investing, like charter schools a little mm-hmm. bit more, but we're not investing in like kind of our legendary schools, like our Glenvilles, our Adams, mm-hmm. our Collinwoods. We even saw like Collinwoods on to combine with- Glenville. Glenville at a yeah, one point cool. in time, and people yeah, were like, yeah, oh, <laughs> <gonna happen>. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a little tricky. You you go to Glenville, that's like going to a college, you feel yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But how do you kind of want to combat that or even that too? We've seen, and we seen heard in the, in, uh, in our previous interview. He was saying that, you know, um, the CEO of CMSD, he wants to mm-hmm. get him out of here. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Yeah. But, like, not saying you might be on that extreme, but
3: to since sense, like, can you talk about that real quick for Yeah, me? you know, I think this is about making sure parents have choice mm-hmm. uh, of high quality, right, choices to send their kids to a high-quality school mm-hmm. in every zip code in this city. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there are some very effective public charter schools that CMSC actually sponsors and they are a part of the district. And we should invest in those. I'm adamantly against, um, for-profit charter schools, Mm -hmm. particularly with no accountability, uh, because, you know, kids are going to these for-profit charter schools, uh, and they're taking taxpayer money that could be going to public schools. Right. And preying on parents who may not, you know, have all the right information they need to figure out where to to send their kid to school. Right. And so I think it's about how do we have um, quality choice in every neighborhood? And, you know, as mayor, I got to do everything I can to make sure I'm, in, I'm giving parents the agency to dictate what does choice look like? And what do we need to do to make sure that, you know, if a school isn't performing, we got to close it and open up a new school with the right parent and neighborhood engagement that reflects the needs of the neighborhood. Because mm-hmm. what's needed in Mount Pleasant may be very different than what's needed in Tremont. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and our and our education um strategy needs to reflect that level of nuance based on the conditions of those neighborhoods. And as mayor, I gotta set that vision and lead that charge on yeah. day one. So
1: when you, you spoke previously about, you know, we'll say extracurriculars and you know, yeah. for like so like an example of mine is so a lot of my time was spent in the Cleveland Heights Rock Center growing up. That's where my mom dropped me off. I'll pick you up when I pick you up. Um so like you said, kind of combating those those extracurriculars after school. Like, so what does that look like for certain cities? So, like, Cleveland Heights has a big rec center, mm-hmm. but like South Euclid does not. Cleveland is, you know, uh, those they're are like you everyone. know Glenville's out there. It's it, they're, they're different. So, what does what does that look like for you? Yeah, with those extracurriculars. Even you could get to the boys and girls clubs. Mm-hmm. Those boys and girls clubs aren't as thriving as they used to be.
3: Yeah. So I think the first thing we have to do, to to your point, is identify across the city. What are the most effective after-school programs that exist? Mm -hmm. And how do we, you know, take city dollars and philanthropic dollars and other private sector dollars to invest and scale those programs across the entire city? That's the first thing we have to do. The second thing we have to do um, is do what, what we've seen in New York and other cities like Cincinnati as well, where, you know, they have a children's cabinet led by the mayor or another governmental leader That essentially quarterbacks and coordinates that kind of service delivery with all the key stakeholders like the social work providers, like the Boys and Girls Club, uh, to make sure that we have a coordinated uh, strategy around investing in what works. Mm -hmm. We don't have that kind of coordination right now. Mm -hmm. And as mayor, it's my responsibility to do that Um, because I can identify pockets of money inside CMSD, inside my rec center department to make sure I, I can scale and invest in what works but also hold these programs accountable. Uh, and the county also plays a large role in this because right. they administer essentially all of the social uh, programs that come out of the state and federal government are at the county. Yep. And so as mayor, I have to work with that county executive as well to coordinate that effort. You know, I tried to do this uh, when I worked for the county executive in 2011, mm-hmm. and we laid out a complete strategy to, around doing it. And so there are models that exist out there. We just need the political leadership and the courage to try to get it done.
0: Mm. yo you know i think um luckily enough well i i don't even know if luckily is the word but obviously uh the four of us right now that are in this room and in this space we have uh some information and education on when you when you bring up things and conversations that involve technology and education um so we were doing some homework right uh and A big issue that surrounding cities of Cleveland have had recently are cyber attacks. Right. Mm. And this is this is changing the tempo a little bit. But uh, there was a cyber attack on the food bank and because of the cyber attack, they ended up having to halt their services for a day. Uh, there was a cyber attack at a business in Solon called Thermodex mm-hmm. and the result of that was they lost sixty five thousand dollars wow. because of the cyber attack. And then also, yo, it sounds like I'm talking about the streets right now. Also we're like, <laughs> we're <laughs> bag, we're man. like all, everybody yeah. is personally facing cyber attacks. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, everybody, mm-hmm. regardless of what Social media platform you use? He sent me that email. Somebody in Singapore trying to log in your account. Every yeah, every time my Hulu. Oh, they're is, going for the stemmy,
1: yeah.
3: dude. There's
0: somebody named Jeffrey that I just made or a profile pay, or for. Or the PayPal stuff? That Come they, on,
1: they, now. Yeah. dude. Yeah.
0: So 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 with with individuals facing cyber attacks and our small businesses and large businesses facing cyber attacks, how are we going to educate not just the kids but the 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 blue collars, the white collars? Mm -hmm. How are we educating the people who live here on cybersecurity? And and even to take it to another level, is there any way that we can expect our leadership to help provide extra security for us? I mean,
3: that's a really um, thought-provoking question. Mm -hmm. Um, something I haven't really, I mean, I haven't really thought about that much in terms of policy priorities, but I would say the first thing that comes to mind would be having a mayor who actually uses technology, yeah, right? Like, you know, uh, and, and, and embracing it, um, that needs to be a key part of it. I would also, th- you know, think about, I know that um, CSU and CASE have launched the Cybersecurity Institute. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. And there's a consortium uh, organizing around that for companies. Mm-hmm. But, you know, figuring out we can apply some of that education and training to the average resident and other small businesses as well, Mm -hmm. I think go a long way. Uh, Making sure as mayor that we have a a very robust cybersecurity strategy to protect, you know, city services and the city budget and and our infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Uh, You think about the water department, Cleveland Public Power, Mm -hmm. uh, the airport, um, you know, CMSD. These are critical assets and I need to make sure that I'm managing effectively and being a good steward of those assets to protect every aspect of our infrastructure, whether it's, you know, brick and mortar infrastructure or our cyber yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and technology infrastructure. Come right. Uh, and so being able to call the CIO at Key Bank and say, hey, what have you done yeah. at Key around cybersecurity and what can I do as mayor to make that, you know, a strategy priority for us, yeah. um, uh, you know, throughout the city yeah. uh, and having those relationships, I think, can go a long way as well.
0: Can I? I want to add a quick follow up to that too. I, I think um, you. I was watching an uh, interview between you and uh, the 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 person who was interviewing you. His name is escaping me at the moment, but it was with the city. Club. Oh, Dan Malter. Yep. Yeah. And so this conversation that you all were having about past leadership and maybe even current leadership outsourcing mm-hmm. for – guidance and information and education on how to run our city consultant, and hiring consultants. I guess for the people who may not be aware of that process and how that has happened, can you explain a little bit? Yeah,
3: absolutely. And, and, and to talk more about the example in the interview, I was really talking about the Westside market mm-hmm. and the city has hired a consultant. Uh, to come up with a plan and a strategy for the Westside market. And as someone who has been a consultant in my life, yeah. you know, um, I think it's 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 really an indictment on the fact that we haven't had any bold leadership to say, I'm the mayor, it's up to me to make a decision. Yeah. And we can't use consultant reports as a scapegoat to make a decision. Right? Um, and case in point for the Westside market, you know, we should maintain that asset and own the asset, but we are not experts. At running a market. Yeah. Purely. Um, Ain't what it used to be. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And so, um, how about we find a best in class operator who understands how to manage a really phenomenal market experience and, you know, have them run the market while, you know, we hold accountability of that operator because we maintain and own that asset. Yeah. Um, and I think, it's important for us to have a mayor who can be decisive, mm-hmm. but also recognize that I won't have all the answers. If someone says they have all the answers to you now as a candidate or as mayor, they're lying to you.
0: I like the transparency.
3: Right. That's really- and I'm going to make sure I'm going to have a team that says, you know what, if, we, if you don't have the answer, Mayor Bibb, um, let's go figure out what the answer is and come back to you and give you with a set of choices to make. Yeah. And I'm gonna use my my experience, mm-hmm. my judgment, and my competence to be the man to make the decision in the room. Right. That's my job as the CEO of the city. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the kind of leadership folks deserve. Yeah. So in this city,
2: people how can I put this? People describe the city as a black and white city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I say that not I say in the terms of race, but I say in the terms of two just how we operate. Just from economics and everything like that. We're a very segregated city. So, like.
0: You know, you're very educated when you say economic.
3: I've been, <laughs> I've been walking around he, saying. He put a little, little British spin on it too. <laughs> <laughs> economic. <laughs>
2: hey, man. Come on now, baby. <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, He's got on, that
3: YSL on. He's feeling himself yeah. right now. Like, right. You yeah. know, that's yeah, what it yeah, is. Hey, <laughs> on, gotta, nah, but
2: um, so we understand that. White median income in the city is like around sixty thousand dollars, mm. sixty thousand yearly, while the black median income is around thirty.
3: That's half. Two, weeks, yeah. Two <laughs> that's, weeks, yeah.
2: You know, and then we know that black unemployment is three times higher than our white counterparts in the city. You know, as mayor, how do you want to fix that? Because it's kind of it seems like, you know, every day <laughs> we just see. To look like us, Mm. we're we're struggling, suffering, and I and I and I, and I'm me personally, I don't want to just keep blaming on COVID because that was a a problem way before we was coughing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, way before we was coughing, we we wasn't coughing of dollars.
3: It's been a problem for 50 years.
2: So, how can you, if you if you become mayor, how would you fix that?
3: I mean, symbolically, I would say, I would say this off the jump. I think the campaign we're building. Is starting to bridge that divide between East Side and West Side. Yeah. Mm. I think we've let um, race-based politics undermine our city for far too long, pitting mm. you know one side of town against the other side of town. Yeah, um, and I think we all, as just citizens, we got to get out of our comfort zone and do things differently and move differently to truly build a unified city. Yeah. That's the first thing I would say. The Other thing I would say, um, we got to be real about the fact that. Until we get communities like Mount Pleasant, Lee Harvard, Huff and Glenville and Buckeye and Clark Fulton humming again, the city will never be successful. Yeah. Never. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't make sense to have a thriving downtown and urban core if my grandma who's still on Dove can't walk within fifteen minutes and have a grocery store that sells fresh fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Or it takes her thirty minutes to get on a bus to come downtown if she wants to do business with the city. Mm-hmm. That's a shame. And so As mayor, I intend to prioritize leveraging um, major economic capital or economic capital uh, to make sure we are (laughs) bringing back those forgotten neighborhoods. Because, you know, the southeast side where I was born and raised Mm -hmm. used to be a beacon of the black middle class. Mm -hmm. When my grandma came up here from uh, the Jim Crow South in Alabama, she wanted to be around black folks that were doing well and thriving. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was the American dream. And she made it. Uh, but the fact that her housing value hasn't recovered since the Great Recession in 08. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she she bought that as an asset that she thought she could pass on to me as her grandbaby to be a, a way of to transfer wealth right. and, and build legacy wealth creation mm-hmm. is a travesty and a sad indictment on our city. I would also say this. For too long in the city, we have removed the importance of Political power and economic power. Yeah. So what do I mean by that? We are a majority Black city, mm-hmm. yes. and there is a lot of greatness in that mm-hmm. that we have yet to truly tap into. And as mayor of a majority Black city, if Black people aren't doing well economically, then it's a sad indictment on my leadership. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And if Black folks are doing well in Cleveland, all of Cleveland's going to succeed and thrive. Yeah. And I think white folks believe that too, mm-hmm. because. Yeah all of our destinies as a people are interconnected. Um, and until we fix that divide, I don't think we're going to be able to be the city I think we can be.
1: Yeah. So, so speaking on, you know, we'll say building back up those, those Huffs, yeah. those St. Clairs, all of that, what would be your answer to that? Because some people say gentrifying that mm-hmm. or building it up and pushing those people out. As a main example, we see all the time, you know, love the Cleveland Clinic, but that's what they do. They purchase those churches over there, those houses over there. Let's talk about case. And then, Let's talk about case, too. Mm-hmm. Case as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so what does that look like for you in terms of, okay, building it up but making sure those people can, one, afford, yeah. like we just said, the income is significantly different, want afford to stay in those areas, but also want to stay in those areas, that the change isn't, we'll say lack of better terms, too much mm-hmm. that they can't handle. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, I think this is about doing everything I can as mayor, to identify what tools can I give residents in those neighborhoods mm. to buy back the block? So what does that look like, <laughs> right? You look, at, you look at examples like a community land trust. So what's a community land trust? A community land trust essentially um, allows residents in a neighborhood to purchase and acquire um, real estate assets. Um, and they own those assets through a collective organization Mm-hmm. Um and it allows them over time to build equity value in those assets. I think Ward Seven has it, don't they? Yeah, and you know Ward Seven is starting to do it uh, mm-hmm. with the Huffland Trust. You're starting to see that in the Clark Fulton neighborhood. That's something we should think about scaling across the entire city. Yeah, to give low and moderate income residents the ability to build that long term wealth creation, it's, um, systemically.
2: So do you think following with that, but. And I understand those aspects, but I think from the city standpoint, I think the city structurally, like infrastructure wise, mm. is built to not serve us. So, mm-hmm. and I say that, mm-hmm. I say that. So, in Cleveland, we have three main trains that are going through the city. Out of those three main trains, two run through predominantly white neighborhoods. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Red line runs through, runs straight from east to east to west, but. Yeah. <laughs> and then even thinking for our freeways How they run And they don't They run through predominantly white cities Even just how 480s ran And 271s ran And all those things Do you Do you believe That the city of Cleveland From an infrastructure way is, how can I, I'm trying to use the right, word, the right word to say.
0: Well, you said economic. I'm not so. I, <laughs> so I, I can't digress. I can't digress. what I'm saying. trying to say
2: is, do you think the infrastructure of the city does not favor us?
3: That's what it seems A- like. Absolutely. I mean, redlining. Red <laughs> yeah. 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 right? Um, right. Mm-hmm. And even the way banks invest in our community are still based on maps rooted in redlining. Yeah. So we have to change the map. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also say to my earlier example around transit, more transit oriented development that better connects communities like Mount Pleasant and Glenville and Huff to economic opportunity needs to be a priority. I mean, I have this vision of what people are starting to call the 15 minute city where within 15 minutes you have a bus you can get on to get to a job or a job you can walk to in your neighborhood, you know, a grocery store you can walk to, um, neighborhood-based businesses, dry cleaners, a bodega, um, you know, barbershops, salons, et cetera, having, you know, what we've seen during COVID is your neighborhood really matters in terms of the amenities you can access. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so how do I make sure that, that every neighborhood has the same high quality of amenities that reflect the culture and the assets mm-hmm. of those communities? I mean, you and I were talking about D.C. earlier. Yeah. And I think there's some pockets of D.C. that have done this really well. And some that haven't. Um, And I think when you stop building with the people, that's where you get gentrification. But I think it's important for us to just start to have a different conversation about this word gentrification. Mm -hmm. Because it means so much. Mm -hmm. And it's such a, you know, a, a loaded term nowadays in the political lexicon.
2: Negative connotation too. Yeah,
3: right. And I think that. You know, my grandma would tell you she wants some money. She wants investment to come to Mount Pleasant. Yeah, she yeah. wants to see some cranes in the sky,
0: on, right? Yo. Right. right? I don't to I want to have to coach the lounge, but like you know, yeah, I mean, uh, not, but like sure.
3: it's important. I mean, people want to see their neighborhoods being built up. Yeah. Uh, but they want to see you know people from the neighborhood working on those jobs, right? And, and getting those wages and owning owning the construction company that got the contract to build that grocery store in Huff yeah. or in Mount Pleasant. Mm-hmm. And as mayor it's my responsibility to hold folks that are investing in the city accountable to that standard. Yeah. And we got great examples. Look at Manor Jackson in Atlanta, first black mayor of Atlanta. And Atlanta is, has been known to be now the Mecca for black folks. Wakanda. Um, and, <laughs> I know, right? And, <laughs> that, and, and, and Manor started that because when they read that, that, the airport in Atlanta, Manor said, look, if I don't see a black engineering firm, uh, you know, a, a black contracting firm, uh, during construction, uh, that airport ain't, ain't getting done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so what's in the best interest of, um, the least among us and underserved communities will be in the best interest of everybody. Yeah. And we need to hold everybody to that standard in terms of economic investment, uh, in this city.
1: Yeah. So we spoke about the wages, you know, the, the difference in, you know, black versus white. So now, you know, we're getting to this conversation, when we talk, we hear about, it, you know, with Joe Biden, all of that mm-hmm. in terms of bumping minimum wage yeah. up. So the, the minimum wage has kind of varied, we'll say, since we're a little seasoned, all, all a little seasoned here from seven twenty five to around, you know, to $15 we're talking yeah. about mm-hmm. now. Um, very big, very big leap. Very big leap. Very big leap. So, so what's your forecast on how, you know, this would impact the culture? Because, you know, talking about this by 2025, it being, to fifteen dollars. Right now I think the mm-hmm. we'll wage is what, like eight twenty, mm-hmm. eight twenty five, yeah, yeah. something like something that. Something
3: like that. I, I think it'll change the culture in, in a in a huge way in, in terms of just giving people dignity. Yeah. And and you know, I, I think we had a missed opportunity in Cleveland to to actually do it. I mean, a couple years ago folks mobilized to get this on the ballot. Yeah. And the city said no. They said, mm. you know, your voice doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm. Right. And so giving folks dignity, giving people hope um, you know, making sure folks have a s- self sustaining wage to get them out of poverty. Being the poorest big city in America, yeah, I mean that will go a long way in Cleveland.
0: I got a question too, and to follow up on that, like, do you? Cleveland has been known as this place that's super affordable to live. Like, some of my closest friends are from California.
2: You uh, don't know how affordable Cleveland is. Do you get out of Cleveland? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that's true. Seriously. Um, yeah. And so, so some of my, some of the people that I know that have moved here were from California, New Jersey, Florida, and they're like, Oh no, dude, I am about to just stay here because it's, it's so easy to, to live here versus going back home. Will we even see Cleveland sort of lose that reputation? If we do begin these large investments, if we do begin to, to raise the minimum wage, how does that affect our reputation in that aspect?
3: Uh- no, because if you're poor, this is not a, yeah, uh, 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 an affordable city to live in. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when you know we have an average median you know, household income of less than thirty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, uh, and forty percent of their expenses are going to housing and transit. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's you know, uh, and so we got to find a way to make sure that <clears throat> we are lifting people out of poverty. Um, but as we get more investment, having a strong social safety net to be a backstop for folks that aren't uh, succeeding, that are are still trapped in poverty, Mm -hmm. that are still struggling to make ends meet. needs to be a key part of making sure we're still an affordable place to live, work, and play, uh, and to have a shot at life. And I think it's important for local governments to think about, you know, um, innovative programs to address that. You think about the fact that, you know, when I'm talking to residents, particularly in some of these trendier neighborhoods that are starting to Blossom, Tremont, Ohio City, Detroit, Shoreway. Right, you have legacy homeowners that have been there for forty years that are getting priced out and pushed out. Yeah, and so um, you know their neighbor might might have a home that's worth four hundred thousand dollars now, mm-hmm. and at one point their home to maybe it was worth hundred thousand. Now it's also worth four hundred thousand. And now they're paying property taxes on a home that's worth 400000 where they're used to paying property taxes on a home that's worth 100000 Yeah. yeah. Right?
1: Mm-hmm. So
3: targeted t- property tax relief for those legacy homeowners to keep them in the city, right? Yeah, yeah. As we get more investment like that, needs to be important. Yeah. Um, and one of the things <clears throat> you're going to hear me a lot talk about a lot throughout the campaign is this idea of hyper-local economic development. huh. Right? And, you know, for far too long in this city, we've had – economic incentives yeah. okay. uh, that have been a one size fits all approach. Mm-hmm. But you know what Mount Pleasant might need is going to be very different than what Tremont might need right. in terms of economic incentives. Mm-hmm. So how do I think differently as a mayor with investors to be creative about what types of incentives we're deploying based on the unique needs and conditions of that neighborhood yeah. with, a, with a high level of scrutiny around equity Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Equity for our residents in terms of having a racial equity analysis in those investments, but also equity in terms of wealth creation to make sure residents are benefiting from these investments as well.
0: Yeah. And then to really to follow up, I think uh, Johnny and Donna brought up good points when when it comes to. So one thing that you had referenced earlier is is sort of not drowning our political races and debates in. Uh, or not baiting people with, with these race debates, mm-hmm. right? But when we look at, I know, Johnny, you had mentioned that Cleveland has been looked at as a black or white city, yep. but then also we do have other populations here. And even though blacks and whites are the majority, we do have a a, a strong um, and healthy Asian population mm-hmm. here in the city. A Latino um, community growing. E- yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and so what do you think it may look like to unify all of these fronts on a political mm. basis.
3: I think it looks different. I think the city would look dramatically different if mm. we engaged and, and, and put more people power behind folks who haven't had a seat at the table in a long time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I intend to do that and, and set that charge symbolically as made up with my cabinet. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to have a cabinet that reflects the diversity of our neighborhoods, the diversity of our culture, the diversity of our professional um, uh, experiences, uh, in the community, because I think that goes a long way to show people that, oh, this city reflects me, yeah. you know, I'll give you a really good example. I'm in Minneapolis, the city there essentially looked at every single city department, every board and commission where the mayor had appointment at their authority and the cabinet of the mayor's office mm-hmm. and did a, an audit and that uh, to identify what does the neighbor, what does the city look like from a race income professional experience perspective and how do those metrics align to what uh, the city leadership and people that the mayor appoints to boards and commissions look like? Yeah, to make sure that you know it was in line with the city. Yeah, um, and I think by having that kind of strategy and operationalizing that inside city hall, it would really it would really go a long way to make sure folks feel like they have a seat at the table and their voices are being heard inside city government.
0: I love it. I
2: love it. So, over the past like a year. Years, yeah, yeah. we've seen Cleveland um, rise in violence mm-hmm. in the city. You know, mm-hmm. so even from Cleveland, police released a report saying that you know crime is going up, murders going up forty two percent, and a lot of that is contributed to gang violence. You know, so I think I believe that the response to that was having the FBI task force, yeah, um, yeah, combating gangs and gang violence. But besides that. Besides that method, you as a potential mayor, how can you, just other methods yeah. of like just from either community police or from any other ways you think of and how you think we could combat this rise in crime we in the city?
3: We got to fundamentally rethink policing in this city, man. It's broken. Yeah. Bottom line, is broken. Mm-hmm. Um, You think about the fact that we spent nearly $30 million over the last 10 years to settle police misconduct claims. Yeah. That's $30 million less that we can invest to close the digital divide mm. to, to fix these potholes that continue Come to, to on, hit uh. my yo, pocketbook. Yo, he's attacking and, the and, issue. And, and <laughs> the pocketbooks of all uh, yeah, yeah. many folks across the city. Um, and I don't say that to dehumanize the pain, but I say it to talk about the, the weight of the economic um, and the moral case to make for us to rethink policing. And this is personal for me in a number of different ways. My dad was a cop. And a firefighter. Uh, yeah. My dad was actually one of the first black cops in uh, black cops in Cleveland Heights, um, and he did both jobs for, for nearly thirty years. Um, you know, I I, law, I had to bury a family friend last uh, year. She was Sorry the to hear that. thank you. She was the one hundred thirty first homicide uh, in this city. Yeah, uh, and you know what what struck me was I was a pallbearer in her funeral, and all her friends were you know Instagramming live mm-hmm. the burial. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. it's like our kids have normalized that trauma.
0: Yeah.
2: There's a lot of trauma. Some, yeah,
3: we have to tackle that trauma. And right. so there are a couple of things I want to do uh, as mayor. One, uh, we truly need an independent civilian review oversight board mm-hmm. in the city that has meat and real accountability to hold our police officers accountable. Mm-hmm. And this isn't about being anti-police. This is about, you know, giving cops and good cops the tools they need to do their job better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, secondly, you think about what other cities are doing across the country. I love what we're seeing in Columbus to the south of us. Um, They're going to start to pilot having social workers and mental health professionals, you know, go with officers to nonviolent dispatch calls. I like Mm it. Um, So this co-responder model is something we should definitely do in Cleveland Mm -hmm. to make sure we're starting to tackle that trauma that I talked about to address some of the root causes of crime. Um, I would also say there are a couple of different models coming out of Stockton, California. Mm -hmm. Uh, Someone I I admire a lot, uh, former mayor Michael Tubbs, has done a lot of creative things in Stockton to address uh, gang violence. One idea I love to think about in Cleveland is called the Advanced Peace Initiative, where essentially they go to talk to gang members and say, look, you can get out of this gang, right, and we're not going to lock you up, but what do you need? You need a job? You need a GED? Does your grandma need six months rent? Right, like, wh- wh- super, what you yeah, need? What yeah. you need?
2: Why? The root of wire in the yeah, game. Like, yeah. Like,
3: w- right. w- w- what will it take <laughs> for me to not to lock you up, for you to stop committing this crime, and, 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 and really start to kind of, you know, turn your life around? What do you need? Yeah. Right. Uh, and how can I help? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and what we've seen in Stockton, dramatic reductions in gang violence and gun homicides.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, Sacramento has started to pilot this initiative as well. Um, and so those are types of interventions uh, that we should start to do in Cleveland to, to tackle some of these issues that we right. talked about. And it goes back to my earlier comments about what happens when you leave a schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in at, at kindergarten at Corlette in Mount Pleasant. And my cousin, Chris, who who's who, who also murdered during my second year of, of, of grad school. I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the gang started to talk to me when I was in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. they started talking to my cousin, Chris, when he was in the third grade. So my mama hearing that, she says, Oh, I, I got to keep this kid busy. Yeah. And it, when, you know, but we have parents who are struggling day in and day out just to survive. Mm-hmm. Government's got to step in and, and try to help meet that, hit, hit that gap and, meet, and, and try to solve that problem. Yeah. And so it goes back to meeting the whole needs of our community. And it's beyond just policing. Right, it's it's meeting the whole needs of our residents to make sure they have what they need to succeed and thrive day in and day out. So, since we're talking, i are gonna switch
2: a little gear real quick. But let's talk about community trust. Yeah, community trust within the city. So, on February twenty third, <laughs> yes, I know i Yeah, 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 yeah. Ken Johnson, uh-huh.
3: Uh-huh.
2: forty years of being a city councilman Mm -hmm. was convicted, uh, not convicted, was indicted on 15 charges. I I want to say that. Let me me switch that real quick. Indicted. I want to say that indicted. Come on now. 15 um, felony charges, like conspiracy to commit theft, a federal program, aiding and assisting preparations of false tax returns, tampering, witness tampering, falsified records on a federal investigation. Even though that's kind of a big indictment, but over the, like, from 2010 to 2017, we've seen like 171 f- uh, federal public convictions in the mm-hmm. city. You know, how do we deal with corruption in the city of Cleveland? It's it, it's getting this guy out of hand. <laughs> As elected mayor, how how can you ensure that trust back? Because from and if, from my understanding, let me know if I'm wrong. Even after those indictments, he's back on city council. Mm-hmm within the week, and as a, a citizen looking at that, that knowing that a city councilman of 40 years is stealing money <laughs> from this, from, <laughs> from his ward that he serves and he's indicted and he's back on city council within the week, like, you know, like it's nothing big and he's on the Zoom call. How, you as a mayor, how can I, how can you gain that trust back from me?
3: I got to I got to embody it. And the fact that I was the only one um, out of any member of city council or any presumptive candidate for mayor to call for his resignation speaks to the kind of mayor I intend to be Mm -hmm. Um, corruption will have no role or play no part in my administration as mayor. And if it does, I'm firing anybody that's accountable for that.
0: Oh, I love when they get to talk about firing people. Spicy. You love the spicy sauce.
3: And I, you know, I want to make sure that my, my, my cabinet and my administration prioritizes accountability and transparency. Uh, I think it's, it's past time we explore having an, an office of an inspector general inside City Hall uh, to make sure we are good stewards of public money and hard-earned taxpayer dollars yeah. that aren't wasted uh, to keep our existing political class in office, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that no one—it it took folks weeks and weeks to call for a resignation—shows a lack of courage.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: folks don't have courage in this community because mm-hmm. they want to get along to get along. Yeah.
2: Do you, Do you think that because for fucking up for it to be that many. Public, like federal public convictions, you yeah. know what I'm saying? For that, mm-hmm. for this long-lasting history of corruption, how I look at it, I'm just now. Nah, now nah, I'm just I'm, nah, I'm doing my thing. I'm potty. Yeah. <laughs> I'm potty. That tells me that it isn't just one man just just doing his own thing. and He's got caught. It's a culture. It's a culture. It's a culture. Yep. It's 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 a lot of people looking a blind eye mm-hmm. and it's normalized. Mm-hmm. So you come from a long normalization doesn't happen overnight. It happens over years and time, Mm -hmm. but you being a younger individual, you coming in into a culture that might be grassrooted in corruption how do you think that, you, and not even saying how you can, how can you combat it, but how do you think you can maneuver around that? Because it's kind of like the new guy coming to the mafia table, and they've been <laughs> doing. I mean, I'm not, not yeah, saying yeah, mafia, yeah, but like they've yeah, been doing yeah, stuff for yeah. so long one way, and you're coming in, they're like, mm, we we've been doing this like this. How can you not get? I guess I don't want to put it in simple terms, a little broad. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm still the mayor. <laughs>
2: Call
0: shots. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna turn the sound effects all the way
2: up. Right, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm the mayor.
3: Yeah, you gonna play by my rules or don't play at all. I love
0: it. Yo, yo, come on, man, we need that. <laughs> we need I that. love it.
3: Yeah, and 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 that's the kind of leadership people deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, because as mayor, it's not it's not my seat. Yeah, I don't own you know city hall. Mm-hmm. It belongs to my grandma Sarah. It yeah. belongs to you know Paula Camp, who I met in Ohio City. Yeah. It belongs to my you know the, the woman I met at the post office, who lives in Lee Harvard, yeah. uh, Deborah, who yeah. said, "I I ain't never heard of you. I heard you, Ken to Leon, Leon Bib, <laughs> yeah. and I read some good stuff about you in the paper. And we need some change, yeah. so you got my vote, yeah. right? That seat the, the, the seat belongs to the people, right. right? And so I'm I'm just doing the people's work, yeah." Uh, and so it's up to me to lead with that kind of trust and, and hold myself to that standard and hold myself accountable uh, in order to do that. And I'm not bringing any baggage because I ain't no career politician. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I'm doing this because I want to serve. Yeah. And so that, that that's going to be my ethos and I want to make sure that my cabinet also has that, those same values mm-hmm. and I'm going to work like hell to make sure that everybody that works in city hall from the electrician in the public works department Mm -hmm. to the, to the head of economic development shares that same vision and strategy. And I'm going to hold all of them accountable to get the job done.
0: I love it. Well, so, I mean, obviously uh, just to, to sort of wrap things back around, obviously, when we talk about Cleveland can't wait, I think you you laid some uh, important foundations and groundwork prior to you even getting here in, in, your journey of becoming mayor. And then also I think you've gave some amazing explanations and some amazing, amazing opportunities for us all to educate ourselves and dig even deeper into mm-hmm. some of the things that we talked about today. Is there anything that you feel like there's something else that I want people to be aware of that maybe we didn't bring to the table today? Is there Especially anything to a younger audience?
2: Yeah,
3: I, I would, I would say this um, a couple of things. One, we all need to raise the bar. Yeah. We need to raise the bar in terms of who runs her office and who we elect in public office. Uh, we need to raise the bar in terms of how we lead our nonprofits, how we lead our businesses. Right. You know, you guys got to continue to raise the bar like you're doing. are yeah. having hard conversations with folks like me about who want to lead the city and how to make the city better. And so yeah. I think this is a moment now in 2021. It's all about raising the bar. because our city and the people who live in the city and who love the city deserve better and should demand, should demand better as well. Um, I would also say, you know, when I thought about running for mayor um, and had conversations with folks across the city, a lot of them told me that I needed to wait my turn Mm. and um, that I needed to start on council or run for the state house and, you know, fair advice. But, um, I grew up in the church and one of my favorite stories is the story of Moses mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, uh, Moses in the burning bush. And if you know about Moses, Moses, Moses was chosen by God to lead, uh, uh the Israelites out of persecution. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, when Moses came across that burning bush, uh, you know, God said, okay, I've chosen you to lead and i go lead. But Moses, I, I never led nobody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have a PhD in leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I can't speak. I, I I how am I supposed to lead? And guy says, Look, man, I'm I'm not here, I'm not hearing all that. Are you available yeah. to serve? Yeah. I don't I'm not here to question your ability. I got you on the ability side. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a a a, a, a kitchen cabinet <laughs> to make sure you can go and, and, and crush Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. But I need you to show up and step in and make yourself available to serve. Yeah. Mm. And so I'm I'm asking the voters and, and letting the voters know i'm available to serve and we all need to make ourselves available to serve because our city needs new dynamic leadership to really change these issues poorest big city in america 50 percent of our kids living in poverty the worst city in this country for black women it's ridiculous right we all got a role to play right to build this movement to change the city and so i can't wait we can't wait and Cleveland can't wait pew, 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 pew.
0: <laughs> right. So
1: so, so, Final question That yeah. I love to ask These guys look at me all the time like Dang you about to ask it again Yes I'm going to ask the question what? again <laughs> So before you go we need three words Not just describe you as a mayor but as a man So mm. three words that you would use to describe yourself
3: Humble um, Empathetic And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a two part word here Action oriented
2: little hyphen in there (laughs) There's there's a lot of syllables in in that (laughs) My campaign
3: manager Tell you like I'm like Mm. What are we doing (laughs) let's go
2: (laughs) But you know what just from just (coughs) Having this interview um, Well I wish you the best of luck Through your your Journey I think you're bringing up The issues That they're not the issues That Are the attention grabbers, Mm -hmm. not the money ones. Mm -hmm. And, but they're the ones that need to happen. They're the issues that a lot of people don't understand. And that just comes from just a plethora of issues from Mm -hmm. economic and um, education and stuff like that. However, but though these issues that you're bringing up, which I very do appreciate, you're bringing up issues that need to happen and that not just immediate change for tomorrow, you're thinking 20 years in the mm-hmm. future. You're thinking about ways you can catch us up to mm-hmm. cities mm-hmm. and then go beyond yeah. well while other potential candidates are maybe thinking in the ways of how can I how can I get the attention? How can I say the shock value to That's get elected. I, to get elected. And then from there, and a lot of those things are social justice issues, mm-hmm. you know, and dollar signs when it comes to it relates to them, but they don't understand how invest technology and how you think. You think in a very strategic way, that may be a lot of, not say constituents, they don't, the people that you want to serve might not understand at one point, mm-hmm. but... I think it'll be good for them in the long run. Mm-hmm. And I'll, however, however that, however I just said what I just yeah, said. Be, it, but yeah, yeah, it, yeah. That's one thought process. Just hearing you speak and how we just had a dialogue. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking of.
3: We got to get back to the basics to do the big things. Yes. yes, and those things are mutually exclusive. Yeah. And as mayor, uh, it's going to be my job to get the trend line going in the right direction, so that the next mayor, because I'm not going to be mayor for life. Yeah. I can tell you that. Oh, you're not pulling a frame? No. Yo, um, <laughs> hey, I didn't hey, want to say hey, that. Yo, yo. <laughs> he, told, he, said, he said, no. <laughs> um, but, you know, after two successful terms as mayor, I want to see us by 2030 be the best city in, in the Midwest. Yeah. Right? And be the best mid-sized city in America. Yeah. I think we can get that done in the next decade, and I'm going to work like hell and make that happen. It's crazy, how, it, it's crazy how Cleveland
2: infrastructure is made for a million people. Yeah. But the but yeah. the but the total population is around three hundred thousand. And then like you said the the election, last last election was like I think it was thirty thousand people that voted. It just kinda tells you like the de- de- decline. Yeah. I used to work with a dude, they used to tell me all this stuff when we used at work. Amazing person. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> shout out to him. Shout out to Jeff. He, <laughs> he knows, shout, knows, shout he knows Jeff. exactly who he is. He knows, yeah. No, no, shout out yeah. to Jeff. He's working like the housing department too for Cleveland. Okay, to Jeff. Jeff. We lit. see you out here, Jeff. Oh, oh, next no, time, Jeff. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: but most importantly though, Justin, we appreciate you. Thank you for We having appreciate me. you coming through. Yeah, we appreciate we you all making, um, making the time to have this conversation um, and doing the work, building the foundation that you've built um, and working for the things that you are Aiming to tackle, I think those are things that people can look forward to. And regardless of how this uh, this race turns out, I would still love to see you have a role in educating, influencing, and, and, and getting those things. done.
3: I'm not going anywhere. Please,
0: <laughs> yeah, drop some bombs <laughs> no, on know, that. You know, I know it,
2: if even if you. Do not win. I is very crucial. I think you play a very crucial part. Yeah. In the advancement of this city, I think you're a voice that a lot of people don't want to do or don't want to say. And I think coming from you, you looking like the <laughs> looking like us, you know, yeah. and them seeing that someone of us that understands our struggle is saying like, "Yo, we need to do these things." <laughs> I yeah. think that's a good symbol. Absolutely, I
0: love it, man. I love it. So listen, before we. One big thing that we do on this show, right? Okay. And this may, you may not have had the opportunity to do this in an interview yet because yeah. we're formal, but we're not that formal. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 but We do shout outs, man. Do you have, is it somebody that you like, hey, nah, they got to hear my voice. Is it somebody well, that you sweet. would love to shout, shout out or just got, thank man. or anybody, man? Anybody? Honestly,
3: um, it, it's been a crazy uh, couple months since we announced the campaign. I want to shout out my, my family.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, My yeah. mama
3: been holding it down. Yeah. Grandma Sarah been holding it down. Uh, my team, my campaign manager, Ryan Puente, uh, and the whole campaign team been holding me down. And really my tribe of friends. You know, yeah, when I have so, rough days on the trail, I can, you know, call up my homie, talk about the, the new Drake album that dropped <laughs> and, like, what tracks they're listening to and not just talk about now. politics because yeah. I'm in it 24-7. Yeah. Uh, and so being able to just kick back with my crew and kind of my village – Uplifting me on my dark days has really been... A blessing to have, and so yeah. just shout out to yeah. the whole Bib Bib Village for uplifting me up.
0: Well, I tell you, you what, whenever he's the Bib Village, Come on, man. <laughs> listen, whenever you it. want to pull up on us, and we love music here, we yeah. love the culture here. So yeah, whenever you yeah. want to, when that Certified Lover Boy does drop, I'm, ch- I'm, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. Yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, <laughs> I think you've, yeah. you've already heard some of the Lake yeah. person right?
2: Any song you want to pull up at night, we like we can we can scratch the we can put pause side. You want to just talk about just you
0: want to just talk? Yeah, pull up, man. We love it and we appreciate this, man. So listen, everybody. that that listen to this podcast, people that have been supporting this podcast, no matter where you at in this world, no matter where you at in this country, man, make sure you all tap in and get I connected with Justin Bob Bibb. With yeah. Man.
3: Check out man. our website, bibforcle.com, IG, Twitter, Facebook. or everywhere. Gotta
0: so. make it happen, man. Until next time, y'all.